As the wax flows over your body, I hope you realize you look beautiful. And if it acts as a sort of odd eternal torture, I think it's worth it still. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and you're listening to this probably because you downloaded it from waxwork.com. If not, then I guess you got it on a CD from someone else. I don't know. I don't know how you got it, but waxwork.com is the easiest way. This is the podcast of waxwork.com. We have lots of radio serials and fun stuff. We also have myself and my two currently co-hosts. This right here is my good little kitty, Scape. Scape White. How you doing, Scape? Uh, not too bad. I just uh, got some new food today. It's different kind. It tastes a little weird, but it's okay, I like it. You're talking about the, the dry food I gave you today? Yeah, uh, I don't really know if I, if I like it, but... Well, and, you know, I think it's good for you. It, it says it's uh, specially designed for cats like you, so... Like, what do you, what do you mean, like awesome? No, no, it, it's for the, it's the age seven and above formula, because cats seven and above, I guess, are like older cats, so... I'm not old. No, but, I mean, technically you're old, but... Technically, you're older than, you know, you're not you're not in your prime anymore. You're an older cat. I'm not old at all. What do you tell? I'm still, like, a little boy. Well, yes, because we cut your testicles off, but... No, because I'm young and vigorous. That's why. Okay, well, sometimes. Let's move on. Uh, we do have another host to introduce. That is Mr. Frank Allen over here. Hello. Uh, how's it going, Jordan? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, how's it going with you? Good. Good. Uh, you know, uh, it's nice having a show again. Uh, getting into the swing of things, doing interviews. I got to do the extra... Uh, where are they now in history show tonight this week which is exciting and uh I, you know I definitely like it I want I want to do a whole podcast on my own I can just host the show sometime okay well let's not get ahead of ourselves Frank let's see anything exciting happen well oh and I should mention that uh, Roy Sinjin of course our our co-host who is missing as you all know he's in jail we'll talk about him again in a minute but I did want to mention uh, something kind of traumatic happened to me and I, it's because I'm sort of a loser that it's traumatic but you kind of enjoyed it escape what? what are we talking about I'm talking about what happened the other night we had we, we live in New York City as you know but for the very first time ever, we had a cockroach in our house. Uh, okay, so what? Well, I'm, I'm a, like, like I said, I'm kind of a wuss, so it was, it was a very scary to me. Was that the figure I was playing with? Yeah, that was what you were playing with. Oh, dude, that was awesome. It was like a big black thing, and it was like, I would run up and be like, Pop, and it would go, shuk, 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 shuk. I guess that's the sound of it running? Yeah, yeah it was like, shuk, 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 shuk. And I'd go, poke, 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 and it would run. <laughs> I was going to, like, eventually kill it. Well, you couldn't have done that fast? You couldn't have just done it? Dad, these things take time. You gotta pray first. How often is it I get to pray with a thing? I don't know. How often is it? You, you, I, hopefully, that's the last time ever. Oh, no. I want it to be back. Maybe with more friends. No, what's wrong with you? No, we don't want... That's why, look, that's why I was freaked out, because I was thinking cockroaches are, not only are they resilient, but they, you know, are notorious for coming in, you know, swarms of a million zillions. I'm, I'm like, oh my god, we saw one. That's going to be the first sign of like a zillion. No, I don't think... Look, you, you, you guys have a relatively nice house. It's on the top floor. I doubt you're going to have a swarm of a zillion cockroaches. Well, you never know. Look, it's, all I know is it's really disgusting and it was really frightening. What are you afraid of? They don't even bite. I mean, what, what's it going to do to you? I don't know. It's gross. It's going to it's gonna touch me. It's nasty. I don't want a bug to touch me. <laughs> you know you sound like an idiot, right? It's an irrational fear. You can't control your irrational fears. You know, I, I'm sure you're scared of something. No. What? What are you scared of? Nothing. Yeah, tell me. 
I'm not going to tell you. Forget it. Look, just move on. Look, Scape, you're scared of all sorts of things. You know, if I just stand up very suddenly, you get scared. That's different. That's not scared. That's alert. So that I could be sitting down somewhere, not paying any attention, but if something moves, it's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. That's alert. Well, you, you, you look scared when you do it. I'm not scared. I'm just ready. Because if you were making a move on me, I would be ready to strike at any moment. All right, if you say so. But I did want to talk about Roy Sinjin. I said I was going to talk to him, talk about him again. I wanted to say that uh, I actually have right here a letter from him. It's still sealed. It came uh, yesterday, and I thought, well, obviously it says to Jordan D. White, Frank Allen, and Scape White. So I thought I would, um, I thought I would actually open it here on the show. Uh, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, you know, I figured let's see what it says and read it to everybody. Um, I figured if Roy's got something he wants to say to us, you know, he'll probably it, he would have said it on the podcast if he was here. So let's um. Let's read it out. It says, um, Dear guys, I'm just writing to let you know that you... Well, we don't have to... I mean, we don't have to read it on the show. I mean, it could be... You never know. I mean, if it's a letter, it could be private. What? No. What, what does it say? No, I, I mean, like I said, it's probably not... It's probably better that we just save it. No, give me that. What does it say? What? what let me see that. Dear guys, I'm just writing to say this your punishment. What? What? How are we a bunch of jerks? If you look, if, just look, look down to the next paragraph. How are we supposed to know that the prosecutor is going to be listening to our podcast again? You know, yes, we told you to, we told you to do the plea bargain because it's the best advice we could give you. Just because the prosecutor heard us say that and knew that you were desperate for it, then you know that's not our fault. You can't expect us to know that. I mean, how you know? How are we, how are well, we, I mean, no, I, you're right, Frank. But at the same time, I mean, I guess we probably shouldn't have we probably shouldn't have had him talking about his legal issues in a public forum. Now I think about it, I mean, I doubt that lawyers would advise that you are are, are wise to do that. I mean, why didn't why didn't the lawyer tell him not to talk about it on the podcast? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe we should maybe we should talk to him about that. Ask him who was his lawyer. I think he had the guy that you had on your show, the guy uh, the guy you interviewed. What what guy? The which. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. You talking about Matt Roma? Yeah, didn't he, I thought that he right? Didn't he? Didn't he have Matt Roma? So Matt, wait, Matt Roma was his the guy whose brother works for the district attorney. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. Well, are you sure his brother wasn't the one who prosecuted it? Because then, of course, the brother knows about our show. Not to mention, neither of those guys seems very honest or good at their jobs, particularly. Well, I mean, as long as they're equally not good, one of them always has to win. So. Look, that's not the point. What I'm saying is, look, I, I would never have advised him to have them as a, I would never have advised him to have him as his lawyer. What was he thinking? I mean, I, I interviewed the guy, but he was clearly. A, a terrible, terrible lawyer. Well, he was willing to lie, though, and that was probably what Rory was going for. Well, at any rate, uh, he closes the letter by saying, um, regardless of what jerks we are, um, he does plan on coming back and being back on the show uh, when he gets out of jail. So we will look forward to seeing him again. I'm not sure exactly what date he's getting out. Rory, if you're listening to this, you should probably write to us again. Let us know exactly when you're getting out. But I guess that's that. There's a letter from Rory Sinjin. So that's uh, one other host heard from today, right? Yeah. Uh, well done. Good on that. I hope he gets out of jail soon. I feel really bad for the guy. It's too terrible in there. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's probably pretty awful. I remember when I was in a kennel, all the cats were, like, hissing a lot. So if you get too close to another cat, they go, 
his, and that's not nice. So that probably happens to him. It might. I mean, probably not hissing. Probably you know more like swearing and yelling and stuff like that. That's that's more common in a jail situation than hissing. People don't hiss all that much. Most are snake people. No, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, if there's if there's snake people in the jail with them, but I think they have snake people jails. They have special, you know, like they have men's jails, women's jails, and snake people jails. Are there there are really snake people? I didn't know about that. Um, yeah. There. Oh gosh, there's all sorts of things you don't know about. So let's move on. Our very first show tonight is going to be Decker and Hayes, season two, episode two. Anyway, let's get right to it. Here is Decker and Hayes, season two. Decker and Hayes, Season 2, Episode 2, Shadows of Gotham City, by Jordan D. White. Babylon. Scrape the bottom of the parlor town bucket, and Babylon is what you'll find underneath. Scrub hard enough, and you might just notice that stuck in with all the grime and scum of the city is one of its shining jewels, Macy Hayes of the Decker and Hayes Detective Agency. Likely she'd be smiling up from amid the muck, gladly knitting a toaster cover. That's what she'd done for the past year and a half, and likely it's what she'd still be doing if she hadn't gotten an unusually hopeful offer. A CIA official, Matthew Landsberg, had shown up the day before with Lexi Grayson, Macy's old partner back in Russia with The Company. A job they'd done back in the mother country hadn't gone exactly by the book, and now the big boys were chomping at the bit to find out what really happened. So much so, that they'd offered to get Macy out of jail if she led them to the truth. It was for exactly this reason that Macy had cajoled Julian McGinnis into coming in and serving as her lawyer. She trusted him to get this right for her, even if he hadn't practiced in a while. It's a little more complicated than my days back with the DA, but everything appears to be in order to me, Mace. You sign this paper, and you're granted immunity for anything you tell them about. Of course, anything bad enough, they'll just shoot me on the spot. Very funny. Not really. What about my release? What does it say about that? It's a little fuzzier on that. Obviously, it says upon signing, you'll be turned over to Landsberg and Grayson for the duration of the case. But as your ultimate release, it appears to be hinging on the the case being settled to the satisfaction of the supervising official. That would be me. So, my fate hangs on your whimsy? Absolutely. And if you have a problem with that, you could stay in here for your full sentence. We can do this without you. It'll just take longer. And get our hands a little wetter. <sighs> Fine. I'll sign. Give it here. Julian laid the paper down in front of Macy and offered her a pen. After she signed, he followed suit and held the paper out to Landsberg. All we need is your signature, Mr. Landsberg. Landsberg didn't look at it, staring instead at Macy. I need a show of good faith, Miss Hayes. I told you, Matthew. Macy is just... A convicted felon. And I'm not going to sign that paper unless I have some kind of indication that she's going to play ball. What exactly do you want? Nothing you can offer me, Fruit Loop. I want you to tell me why I'm here, Miss Hayes. What is it that you have in your pretty little head that's worth releasing a cold-blooded killer like you back onto the streets? Macy was silent. She met Landsberg's stare, holding her own in his gaze, but eventually looked away to meet Julian's eyes. Her look said it all to him. She had no choice. He nodded. I believe it has to do with the mission we went on in 1988 regarding comrade Nikolai Ilyich Smernyakov, millionaire, arms dealer, and former Russian general. Excellent. And what was this mission? We were sent there to kill him. 
But until you sign that paper, I'm going to have to leave you hanging as to whether we succeeded. I'm fairly certain assassination is still a crime in some countries. You see, Miss Hayes? You were a cold-blooded killer long before you ever met Mr. Cross. Landsberg snatched the contract out of McGinnis' hands and signed it, tossing the pen down onto the table afterwards. He rose, and the guards outside the room opened the door. Bring her around to the car, Agent Grayson. Nice boss you got there. He makes a rough first impression, but I think he'll grow on you after a while. I can't imagine not working with him anymore. It couldn't be happier to see the back end of him. <laughs> oh, really, Jules? Mace, not in that way. Ugh. Julie, I need you to do something for me. Don't tell Stella what happened here. I mean, she knows I'm working on something, but... Don't tell her I'm out. Don't tell her I'm with these guys. I don't want to get her hopes up, and I know she'll start snooping around and try to figure out what's going on. Tell her I'll contact her when I can see her again. No sweat. Client-lawyer confidentiality. I get it. All right. I'm ready, Lexi. I'm sorry, Macy, but we need to do this formally. I understand, Agent. Macy held out her hands, and the guard fastened cuffs around them, and then attached them by chains to her ankles. In this way, escorted by the guard and Agent Grayson, Macy shuffled out to the black Range Rover Matthew Landsberg stood waiting beside. The ride off the Babylon grounds was heavy with an awkward silence. Eventually, Lexi offered Macy a soda. Macy accepted. A few minutes later, she was unconscious. When she awoke, she did so slowly, still expecting to be in her cell. She found herself, instead, in a small, square room painted all black, with no furniture except the chair to which she was taped. Duct tape fastened her to the seat around her forearms, chest, and legs. There were no windows, but the ceiling lamp was on. Macy could only see one door. She knew it wouldn't help, but she began shouting. Hey! Hey, help me! Is anyone out there? Hey! Hey! Macy could hear faint sounds of movement, but given her situation, she didn't really think that was a good sign. After a moment, the door opened and Landsberg and Lexi entered, closing the door behind them. Lexi was carrying a black satchel. I'm so glad you're finally awake. We've been waiting. What the hell is this, Landsberg? I said I was going to help you. I doubt you would have given us the help we really need. Regardless, you'll still have the chance. We really do need what you have. If we didn't, you'd already be dead. Lexi knelt down near Macy's foot, laying the satchel on the floor. She gently pulled off Macy's left shoe, followed by her sock. She then took a pair of pruning shears out of the satchel. Landsberg smiled at Macy, the most personable expression he'd had since she'd met the man. It didn't suit him. Let's get right down to it. Tell me something I don't know about your mission to kill Smerdyakov. Lexi positioned the shears around Macy's left pinky toe. Macy was sweating. When, when we went in to kill Smerdyakov, when we were in his office, gun to his head, he offered us $500,000, which... Which we took before killing him anyway. Lexi cut off Macy's toe. Oh, God! Oh! Meanwhile, across town, Macy's other half was working on an investigation of her own. Stella had taken the case of a man named Derek Washburn, a rich blonde with an odorous story about his son going missing. He came to them because he wanted to have Macy, a former company girl, working on his case. He was obviously behind the times. Stella was just coming downstairs from the apartment into the office, having lay in bed all night awake. It was a regular occurrence on days when she'd visited Macy. Sometimes, living in the shadows of Parlor Town could make her forget what the sunlight even felt like. Once she remembered, it was difficult to go back to the cold. 
Tommy Potsdam, her secretary, was already at his desk. Probably had been for hours. Good afternoon, Miss Decker. Morning. I miss anything? Still no answer at the number Mr. Washburn gave us. I'll keep trying, of course. Good boy. Keep up the good work. Anyone else call? Paige called. Said she had some information for you. She tried to get me to write her a check, but I told her I'd make no payments until you say so. Excellent. That girl is worth every dime she costs us. Personally, I think she overcharges us. I don't like that girl. You're not fooling anyone. You do, too. Now see here, Miss Decker. I tell you, I find her disturbing. She's just a little too gleeful about breaking the law for my taste, and I think... Well, I think she knows more about us than she lets on. I think she may dig up information on us all in her spare time just for fun. You think she has a listening device planted, Tommy? Hey, Paige! Give me a call! I need that info! Uh, yes, uh, hello? Deccan Hayes? Yes, she's right here. Tommy put his hand over the receiver and mouthed the words, It's her, to Stella. She, in turn, jerked her head towards her office, indicating she'd take the call there. When she got behind the closed door, she picked up the line. Hey there, Paige. What's gotten into Tommy? Ah, uh, you know, the boy, he rattles easily. Someone to tell him spending every night at a coffee house is going to leave him all nerves. That or tell him to switch to decaf. So what have you got for me? I had the info for Mr. Washburn's credit card. It appears he's been staying at the Hotel Arizona. The Arizona? That dive? What would a shiny fellow like Washburn be doing in a hellhole like that piece of junk? Well, for one thing, making nightly payments to a very discreet company that happens to be an alias for a certain escort service. Please tell me it's Mama Wang's. <laughs> Today's your lucky day. Oh, thank you. I could kiss you, girl. Sounds good, but could you have Tommy deliver it for you? I'll have him bring it with your check. Oh, you don't need to bother with that. I'll just charge it to your visa. I'm a bit strapped for money right now. Need the payment quick. And you have my visa number how? It's been a pleasure doing business with you. Have your boy call me, please. Yeah, thanks. The line disconnected and Stella was left alone with her thoughts. It was only just after two. Mama Wang wouldn't be in until four at the earliest. So she was left with a little time before she could proceed. She considered hopping in the pickup and swinging by the Arizona to check the layout. She'd heard there had been some remodeling since last time she'd been there, but she still couldn't imagine it was anywhere near the type of a place slick gentlemen like Washburn would soil his expensive shoes. She was just grabbing her keys off the desktop when Tommy's voice broke her silent thoughts in two. Miss Decca! Miss Decca, quick! Stella sprung through the door, out into the front room, not sure what to expect but with a hand on her gun just in case. It seemed someone had already beaten her to the punch. There was blood. Smeared all over the door to the outside, splattered all over the carpet, and all over Tommy's shirt. He was beside the woman who appeared to be losing this blood, lowering her gently onto the couch, supporting her weight. The woman was unconscious, but Stella knew her well. Tasha? I... I think she's unconscious, Miss Decker. She... she just came running in here, believing all over the place and didn't even say a word. Just collapsed into me when I got to her side. Jesus, she's been shot right in the gut. Uh, call an ambulance, Tommy, now! Tommy dialed 911, but was put on hold. Parlor Town had more than its share of emergencies. Is she gonna die, Miss Decker? When you're bleeding out, sure isn't improving her chances. Stella shrugged off her shoulder holster and tore off her overshirt, balling it up and pressing it into the woman's wound. 
trying to staunch the bleeding. The white shirt quickly reddened. Come on, Tasha. Don't you die on me. You've got to hold on. Do you know her, Miss Lecker? I used to. Haven't seen her since... Jesus, maybe 88. Back when I was with the Blades. You can't just vanish for 18 years and then show up to die, girl! She was a friend? No, Tommy. She's my ex. Now, get us help. Now! I'm not gonna let her die! Who is Tasha? And what was her relationship with Stella? What happened when Macy was sent to kill Smerdyakov? Will Stella stop her ex-lover from bleeding to death? Will Macy follow suit? Be sure to return for a look to the past in the next episode of Decker and Hayes, 1988. In that episode of Decker and Hayes, the narrator was Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tymon, Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson, Tommy Potsdam was Nicholas Roach, Julian McGinnis was Rich Bellin, Matthew Landsberg was me, Frank Allen, Lexi Grayson was Kate Slotwinski, and Paige was Magdalena Richards. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Makowski. Thank you, Frank. And that was very exciting. Now we are moving on towards the um, what is typically the Rory Sinjin portion of the show. Um, of course, we are about to hear Rory's dulcet tones in the This Day in History episode. And then, of course, Frank has very kindly agreed to take over Where Are They Now in History for this episode, correct? Yes. Uh, you know, and again, I don't support extra history. I don't believe in it. I think it's kind of bogus. But I figured if somebody's got to do it, I might as well be me. Maybe I can get some truth in there somewhere. So, well, that's no, that's fine. I'm glad I'm. Uh, I mean, if you if you can inject some truth into it, you know, as long as you're, you know, entering into the spirit of it to some extent, and uh, it'll be good. Oh, uh, yeah, you know. So I I did, like I said, truth in it. Uh, let's let's just let's get right to it. I'll see how that goes. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Say, Rory, what happened on this day in history? Hello and welcome to This Day in History. I'm WHRW Bington. My name is Rory Sinjin. On September 8th, 1664, Dutch Governor Peter Stuyvesant surrenders New Amsterdam to an English naval squadron. Following its capture, New Amsterdam's name was changed to New York in honor of the Duke of York, who organized the mission. Let's listen. All right, men. We need to take New Amsterdam, but we don't want us to see them. I'm sorry. Strike that and reverse it. Now, what we need to do is make our ships invisible by putting them underwater. I've devised the submarine. It's a bubble around a ship that prevents the water from coming in. Now, underwater with us all! Blah, 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 blah. Wait, how will we be able to figure out where we're going underwater in this bubble? Easy, I brought a map. <sighs> hey, just look at this. <sighs> map. Uh, <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm having trouble remembering which way. Let's come up for air. Uh, uh, I forget how to... <sighs> Did you leave a way for us to get fresh air in here? <sighs> no, I should have thought of that. Yes. Oh, gods. Oh, I can't breathe anymore. Just open the window a crack. But why? Under, underwater. Don't argue. It's the only way to get air. All right. I open the window. What you don't realize is that that was a reenactment portrayed entirely by a bunch of pet monkeys. Those pet monkeys were in a vehicle, and they are all dead now, because someone did not crack the window of the vehicle with the animal left in it. It's a very sad story. It doesn't have a whole lot to do with what you just heard, but keep it in mind when you leave your animals in a vehicle. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. 
Uh, that's enough of that nonsense. My name's Frank Allen, and this is Where Are They Now in History, Uncast and Wax. That story that you heard there was pretty much completely bogus. It started out right. uh, Stuyvesant did surrender New Amsterdam to Colonel Richard Nichols, but it didn't have anything to do with submarines. There there was no such thing as submarines, and there was no bubbles around ships. This whole idea that someone could take submarines underwater that are just made out of a bubble, and that that they would run out of air and then open the water, and the water would be pouring in. Uh, Those people died in that version, but they didn't die in the real version because, you know, the British took over New Amsterdam. It did become New York. In fact, it even said that in the beginning of the segment. And then, I mean, you'll notice that one, it didn't even prove the point of you're supposed to leave the window cracked when you when you leave an animal in the car, so he had to just kind of say it at the end. He had to make up this thing about monkeys. I don't even believe those were monkeys. I think that was a lie. So again, it failed on pretty much all counts. It was historically inaccurate. It was morally ambiguous. You know, if you have a submarine and you leave the window cracked for your animal, your, your animal's gonna die. So that's just confusing the issue by putting in the submarine. It doesn't make any sense. But if you have a car and you've got, like, your dog in the car, don't, just leave it open a little bit so that the dog can get fresh air. My name's Frank Allen. This is Where Are they now in history, and uh, it's on Casting Wax. Frank, you, you know, you heard Scape do it last time and do it completely wrong, and then I asked you to do it, and this is what you give me? Well, I, I said I was I wanted to do truth in it, though, and you said that would be good. Yeah, but like I said, do you remember when I talked to Scape, and Scape did it completely wrong, and he just kind of stated the lesson and, and didn't really understand anything about the world and, and didn't continue the story? What did I say to him? Oh, I know, I know. Well, yeah, of course you know. You were there. You're the one I said it to. You said, you said you're supposed to continue the story. Like, um, if they were, like, dead, they could go and meet God. Well, oh yeah, but then I said that was stupid. Look, no, but the point is that it's continuing the story. So that one was, you know, all of the stupid nonsense about submarines, and then they died again. It's weird that they're always dying. All right, but then you could have the New Amsterdam people going, oh, where are all those English guys we were supposed to uh, give the city over to? They're all dead in the water. How weird is that? And then one of the other ones could go, well, I, I can put on a fake English accent and you can give it to me. And they go, sounds good to me. All right, give me this land now. I'm going to call it New York. And then those Dutch people pretend to be British for the rest of uh, eternity in order to maintain the land that they that they had so that they don't get killed and stuff. That's what, that's a way to, that's a way to continue the story. You see, you continue what, what happened. Yeah, but that didn't have anything to do with the, the crack in the window thing for the dog. Well, okay, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this, look, it just goes to show that this is more difficult than it looks. But yeah, you have to keep in mind the lesson, but you also have to continue the story. So fine, you could say the thing about the British pe- pretending to be British and they have animals and they leave them in their car and then they, that's, this is dumb. This is a terrible one. But Rory would probably do it better than this. Or you could continue the story of the monkeys then. The monkeys that, that were left in the car and died. Maybe one of them lived to, to continue the message that you, that you shouldn't kill. I don't know what I'm talking about. Clearly you don't. You know, what I did, what I did was sensible. I said what was actually true about history and I explained why the original Rory segment was not very good and didn't get the message across. But it, it basically got the, no, see that's definitely not what I want. I don't want Rory to go away and while he's gone we just sit there and bash his show relentlessly. That's not what him going away is about. He already thinks we're jerks. He wrote us this letter saying that we're jerks and we don't want to make it worse. But I just, look, I, 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 I like the guy sometimes. Uh, or at least I don't bear him any ill will uh, in that I don't necessarily think he, he should be suffering all the time. Very flattering. But my point is, regardless of all that, whether I think he's a human being who deserves to live, for example, his show still stinks and I should be able to have an opinion on his show and that it stinks. God, Frank, you're just 
a really big jerk. I, I can't have you do Where and Ellie Now in History again. I can't have you do it again. Good. I don't want to do it again. I told you it was a bad idea in the first place. I didn't want to do the show. Don't worry, Dad. I'll do it again. No, Escape. You can't do it again. You don't, again, you don't understand anything. I understand anything. What are you talking about? You don't understand. I know you, Escape, and I know that you are not versed in the ways of human morality, which is kind of the essential key to this day in history. I know. I know. You shouldn't take food from me, for example. It's a, it's a good moral. It's not a moral escape. Okay, no, you're definitely not doing it. I'll find somebody else to do it. I'll find someone to do it. Either I'll do it or I'll I'll find somebody else to do it. I don't really want to do it. So I'll try to get someone. Next week, there will be more Where Are They Now in History. I don't know who it's going to be by. I'll let you know next week. Okay, you don't want to leave it all up to chance like that. Well, it's not chance. I'm going to actively seek someone out. I'm not going to be like, oh, I hope somebody shows up. No, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to make sure it gets done. It's just not going to be done by either of you because clearly you guys have no respect for the actual show, what it's supposed to be. Fine. If that's what you feel about it. That it you don't. You said you don't want to do it. What are you? What are you? What are you getting all defensive about? Well, I think I did a good job. That's all. You didn't do a good job, and you know it. You were deliberately disrespectful and 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 did it wrong. Fine. But it's no big deal. We have to move on. Um, we have to get on to what's the next show? Oh, the Tractor Fiction. That's Frank Allen's show. Frank. Oh yeah, actually, uh, this is a an episode of Tractor Fiction. Again, it was back when it was uh, recorded live on the air, so you'll hear a little bit of tomfoolery and all that. Um, but it is remastered, so it sounds better than it ever has before. It's tackling the issue of abortion, a very sensitive topic, but we, we got a, a bunch of really uh, intelligible people who have a lot to say about it. This is a, a topic we also tackle later on on Debatorium, but this is just about uh, kind of Jack Chick's views on it. So let's find out what he has to say, shall we? Sounds good. Let's go. Good evening, everybody. This is Tractor Fiction. My name is Frank Allen. We've got an amazing uh, tract for you tonight. This tract is going to be called Baby Talk. Baby Talk is the name of the tract. Uh, before I, you know what, before I actually get to the tract, I do want to let everybody know that this program may contain language or material that may be considered offensive. The views expressed are those of the engineer and their guests, and may not, you know, reflect. The views of the management or other WHRW station members. Therefore, we advise you to carefully consider whether you or your children should be listening to the, the show. You know, the, the, one we're, the one you're listening to right now. One would assume. So, as I said, this show, this tract is called Baby Talk. It's on a it's on a very tender subject matter that I don't I don't I don't want to spoil it to be honest with you so I'll just uh I'll just let us get right to it. Hello everybody in the studio. Are you ready for baby talk? Oh, are yes, we sir. ready for baby talk? Indeed we are. All right. So let's get to it. Yeah, you baby talk. <laughs> One beautiful spring afternoon, Billy Bob drove his hideous, beat up, broken down jalopy into his mother's driveway. His redneck, peaceneck, hippie loving, flea bitten family inside. Boy, are my folks in for a surprise. Good to see you, Ma. This is my latest wife, Andrew Darlings. Hi, Mama. I'm Thelma. Billy Bob, what are you doing here? We're moving in. I lost my job. We'll take my room and my daughter Ashley can sleep on the couch with our good old dog Fang. After dinner, Billy Bob's mother began to clean up. Thelma, could you help me with the dishes? Dishes? I don't do dishes. Then you do them, Ashley. Can't. I'm going out with Eric. Eric's a bum. Bye. Just don't get pregnant. Outside, as Ashley hopped into Eric's Harley, he had a similar idea. Uh, did you get, did your teachers give you more than free condoms? Of course. Woo! 
Two months later, Ashley was feeling a little less high-spirited. She found herself kneeling before the toilet, vomiting profusely into it every morning. Ugh, I'm gonna vomit again. <laughs> Ashley was no fool. She knew what it meant. The next day, in school. Oh, Kelsey, I'm pregnant. What should I do? Talk to Miss Smith in sex ed. She's really cool. And as sex ed class was ending, Ashley prepared to do just that. Don't forget to pick up your condoms. Miss Smith, can I talk to you? I'm I'm pregnant, but I don't understand. How could I get pregnant? We use condoms every time. Condoms break, honey, but it's no problem. It's just a blob. Some pregnancy tissue. Look, I'll call the clinic and they'll take care of everything. We won't even tell your parents. You don't have to live under their old-fashioned values. That night, Ashley tells Eric the good news. Er, bad news. Well, she tells him. Whoa, hey, lady. Lady. <laughs> You're not gonna ruin my life. I'm out of here. But I... <coughs> Eric, please don't leave me. But he does. And that night, as Ashley lays on the couch, attempting to sleep, she speaks to the one person she thinks can help her. Oh, God. If you're really up there, help me. The following afternoon, Eric's Uncle Mike is surprised to find Eric sitting around actually doing some reading. He knows something is up. Don't you have a date with Ashley? Nah, it's all over, Uncle Mike. She got pregnant, and that's her problem, not mine. Besides, she can get rid of it. It's not a kid yet. Nope, nobody ain't. Nope. Eric, I'm so sick of you hearing that lying propaganda you kids have swallowed. It's time you hear the truth. Come with me. <laughs> Uncle Mike took Eric to the doctor's office, where they made an appointment with a nurse... Sat around in the waiting room for a few hours, and were finally admitted to see the doctor. Th thank you, thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Eric's ex-girlfriend is two months along. They've been told it's only tissue. Is that true? I'm Charlton Heston, and I'll be playing a medical professional. No! What Ashley has growing inside of her is a living baby! Ultrasound proves that's true. As a medical professional and not an actor, I must tell you the truth. An abortion would be one of the biggest mistakes the two of you could ever make. How could your child have its own fingerprints? It can urinate like me at a bar. You can make a fist and feel pain when it's hit and drunk and God is already watching him grow. If you don't take responsibility for what you do, it will lead to your baby's death because you deserted Ashley. She will cave in from pressure and leave your baby. She will be aborted. Your actions will have pushed her into murder and not with a gun. And God will hold you responsible as he will her. I'll say what? Eric and Uncle Mike gathered themselves up, got into their car, and drove home. Once there, Uncle Mike had his evening sit-down, and then came to speak with Eric again. Dr. Harris was right on target, Eric, but he didn't tell you about your coming nightmare. Look what God says happens to people in your shoes. But murderers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hey, hey, you're really scaring me, Uncle Mike. But God doesn't want you to go there, Eric. No, he doesn't. He wants to give you a gift that will save you! I'm right here. I can hear you, Uncle Mike. So what's this gift you were talking about? It's the gift of eternal life! Jesus said, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Jesus, God the Son, left heaven to make the supreme sacrifice for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his 
is only begun, Son Jesus, that whosoever believeth, that's you, in him shall not perish in hell, but, but, have everlasting life in the heavens! Jesus willingly shed his precious blood on the cross and died for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the dead! Lord, I repent of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me and make him talk more quietly. You now you're a brand new person! And on your way to heaven, Christ now dwells within you, and the Holy Spirit will guide you. Now I want to live like God wants me to. I can't let our baby die. I've got to tell Ashley what's happened. Eric ran to the phone and dialed frantically, but alas. She's not there. Thelma took her to the late night clinic. They left an hour ago. Eric leapt onto his Harley and sped down the roads breaking all manner of man's law in an attempt to uphold gods. Oh, Jesus, get me there in time. Oh, Lord, stop them somehow. The Lord heard Eric and obeyed. I'm Charlton Heston, and I'm sorry I ran into you. I'm late for an audition. Bile spewing testicle choppers! No flat tire's gonna stop us from getting that abortion tonight. Where's walking? Oh, God, I'm so afraid. I don't want to do this. Help me! Forty-five minutes later, the two women waddle wearily up to the all-night clinic to find that Eric has beaten them there. You let go of her, Thelma. Eric! What the freak are you doing here? Ashley, please forgive me. I love you, and I want to marry you, and I don't want you to kill our baby. I'm Charlton Heston, and I'd be happy to marry both of you. I need money. Please, (laughs) I'll I'll do it for free. Oh, Eric, I I prayed for this to happen. I I mean, I didn't pray for Charlton Heston to come and start talking to us, but but I prayed that you would come. Thank you, Lord. One year later. Oh, baby Nathan, my life would not be the same without you. I'd have a whole lot more money for one. Next to you, Lord Jesus, you are the most precious gift I ever received. And that's the end of yeah. the end of baby talk. This episode of uh, Tractor Fiction that we we did here tonight. Uh, now, as is traditional on on Tractor Fiction, we like to um, have something of a debate. Uh, so we have we have two uh, characters who debate. Uh, let's see who who is our first debater tonight. Oh, there we go, our first debater. What's your name, sir? Hi, it's me. What's your name? Mike. Mike. Oh, actually, from the tract. Of course, Uncle. Mike, it's good to have you here. Thank you very much for coming, Uncle Mike. Uh, and uh, going up against Uncle Mike today will be... Hi! I'm Thelma! Oh, the actual Thelma from the tract. What, a, what an odd coincidence. Uh, so, have you guys met before? Yes, actually, we met at a clinic for people who talk too loudly. Oh, well, um, it's good I that... I don't talk too loudly! Shut up! It's good that you're balanced okay. in that respect. Does anybody have a traditional coin? Because I actually forgot I'm broke again, as usual, and yeah, I don't have me a too. traditional coin. Thanks to my 12 chillings. <laughs> All right, He's can you flip that one. for me? Flip that for me, and then indicate whether heads or tails comes up. Okay, that means that Uncle Mike, you believe that this tract is 100% true, how appropriate, and Thelma, you believe that this tract is false. Uh, as, tr- as traditional, you get to speak first, Thelma. Damn straight! Begin. Damn straight! Oh, that's your whole argument. Oh, no, sorry. I was uh, doing something else, but yeah. This tract here, is it ain't nothing but fiction, because you see, had my child had her abortion, she actually could have gone to school, to like one of those vocational schools, because God knows she ain't so bright, but the important thing is, is she wouldn't have the 12 children she has now. That's not true! Okay, Mike, go ahead. She's only got one! Didn't you read the 
story. Well, that's interesting. I can't read. Oh, See, well, but what actually, kind of argument is that? But we, but Jeez, we can't even read. We did it out loud, though, so you should have been able to hear it. Can yeah. you not understand spoken language? Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. So we, we got we got somewhere. Yes. Okay. How many children does your daughter have, Ashley? Either way, she's 12 years old. Objection! Oh, you object? Yes. What? On what grounds? She didn't answer your question. I was sustained. What's <laughs> okay? Finish. Go ahead. She's 12 years old and has a baby. One baby. One doesn't... baby is plenty when he was 12 years old. God knows I had a hard enough time with three at 12. Wow. Damn. That's why I can't read, and that's why she should have had that there abortion. I'm sorry. You you had a baby at what age? I forget. She was kind of busy at the time, I imagine. As wow. <laughs> um. Wow. You should hear what my Cletus said. Oh wait. Wait, who's Cletus? No one. <laughs> are you ch- are you cheating? No, I'm not presuming such a thing. Well, it just so happens we have a surprise guest. Uh, Billy Bob, come on out. Where's Billy Bob? What's up, man? Uh, we, Thelma has just revealed that she's sleeping with Cletus. Who's Cletus? My brother. Oh. Whoa. We, we actually have Cletus here with us today. Cletus, come on out. Hi. Get out here. Hi. How you doing? You're you're Cletus. Yeah. This is amazing! I was adopted. You were adopted? Yeah. That explains the uh, non-resemblance. Yep. He's so much more smarter than all the smartness that you have, which is none! Wow. Wow! This is a serious accusation. This is a ser- serious accusation. So, Cletus, um... Yeah? Does your affair have any bearing on the truth of this tract? Um... No. Probably not. Okay, well, thank you for coming on He's out here, Cletus. just a distraction from the real issues! Well, far be it from us to distract anyone from the real honest-to-goodness issues. Yeah! All right, what's the honest-to-goodness issue? Abortion, is it wrong or great? It is wrong! It is great! How many abortions have you had, ma'am? Unfortunately, none, and that's why my life sucks. But you wish you had. I sure do. I'm sure your daughter would be thrilled to hear that. Um, yeah, but that's your been abortion. Oh, your I husband tried strikes back. Fail. Oh, well, that does... I do not bring that up. That's unfortunate. That is quite <laughs> unfortunate. Um, She's the spawn of Satan! Yeah. This may be true. <laughs> this actually, uh, it's been unconfirmed, but this may be true. Uh, speaking of which, I do want to let everybody know that abortions are a serious issue, and uh, you should always consult your physician before having one. That's your public service announcement for today. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so, any closing arguments? Uh, Thelma and uh, Billy Bob, if you want to help her. Or, yeah, or, I got or if one. you want to oppose her, either way. Uh, what's your name again there? Mike. Mike. My name is Mike. You're talking a little loud there, brother. I'm your brother. Yeah, that's true. That's your brother. your brother. I'm your brother. Get out of here. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Remember that their uh, 13th Amendment they they passed, you know, uh, about them slaves? Oh, yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah, well. The one where it, slaves can buy fruit? I believe they As can. I believe. Men, yes. I believe they can now buy fruit. Yes. That uh, in, involuntary servitude and all that, you know. Uh, well, if a fetus, you know, if it's a person, then wouldn't wouldn't that be like involuntary servitude for the mother to do all that labor to get him into the world and uh, the person inside of her is violating her 13th Amendment rights? Well, that's... I might have been... Yes! That's I'm an interesting to yell about that. Proposition that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's your closing argument. Family, do you have anything to add before I give it to Mike? No. Okay, Mike, go ahead. I, I don't think I need to say anything. I think they just, you know, I, I pretty... I, um, actually... They proved my point. Actually... You can't follow all lies. 
logic. We's too small for if you. I, if I can cut in here for a minute. Thank you. Now, I happen to be Baby Nathan from the future, all grown up. And <laughs> I'll have you know that in the past 20 years, I have simultaneously cured cancer, saved 400 orphanages, and set all of Europe on fire. So, clearly, <laughs> abortion is wrong. Because otherwise, so... France, Belgium, Luxembourg, all still be there. Wouldn't be on fire. My now, back to the future. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that, that was pretty interesting. Uh, all right, let's get out that traditional coin, and we'll decide who won this debate. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I spent the coin. I'm, oh, you spent it. Great, great. I'm Does anybody sorry, have another I coin? I money because I got so many chillings. Does anybody have another coin, then? We're looking for... Oh, there we go. There we go. It... Uh, it's tails. Uh, <laughs> it's oh my god! They they both won. I'm afraid abortions are both good and bad. So I have think them I should play rock, and paper, don't scissors. have them. Oh wait, we're, we're I always win. Oh, Uncle Mike won the yeah! won the uh, rock paper scissor off. So in fact, abortions are bad. <laughs> Sorry. Anybody here who was aborted, I apologize. You shouldn't. Oh uh, man. <laughs> all right. So uh, thank you for listening to uh, Tractor Fiction. episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, that's me, Aaron Bars, Scott Finbo, Will Meredith, Daniel Schwartz, Angela Tymon, Devin White, and Jordan D. White. Excellent. <laughs> so what happened there, Frank? It landed on its side? Is that what was, I, don't, I mean, I kind of remember that. Yeah, I don't exactly remember how that happened. It, somebody flipped the coin. It must have fallen between a crack or something, and it, it did actually land on its side. Um, so w- then we had the rock, paper, scissors off, and then it turns out abortion's wrong. So No, that's fine, I guess. Uh, I mean, because we also know that tractor fiction is not actually deciding, like, the real morality of the world, because later we overturn it all to say that Jack Chick's wrong. Oh, well, spoiler. I mean, you're going to spoil it like that? Well, it's, yeah, but it's, I'm just saying it's no big deal. It didn't purport to solve the world's problems. That's debatatorium that does Right, yeah, right. Debatatorium solves the problems once and for all. Uh, let's move on to the next segment of the show. It's uh, it's your Frank Allen interview, right, Frank? Yes, yes, it is. And I'm assuming you interviewed somebody from Baby Talk, right? Uh, no, no, not this time, no. I interviewed someone uh, related to, actually, to uh, the show I did earlier, the Where Are They Now in History. You you did? Oh, okay. Uh, what? Who did you interview regarding that? Well, uh, you remember how it said that it was uh, set up by the Duke of York? Yeah, I interviewed the Duke of York. Uh, I said, let's find out uh, some more about this. Really? Uh, Why would you do that? Is this just more stuff to prove Rory wrong? Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it is. Frank! Look, I'm being honest, yes. I think he's wrong. I think he's a liar. I think he's a scam artist, and I think he's wrong. So I, I wanted to, you know, continue to prove him wrong. You know, he's not here to defend himself, I understand. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't call out the things that he is lying about. <sighs> right. All right. Fine. Let's just do your stupid interview. It's not too long, is it? No, no. It's less than 10 minutes and everything. All right. Good, good. Let's get to it. Frank Allen Interviews. Frank Allen Interviews. Starring Frank Allen. Hello and welcome to Frank Allen Interviews. My name is Frank Allen, and we have a very exciting guest tonight. I have him on the phone, uh, long distance across uh, the Atlantic and also uh, a little bit back in time. Uh, because I did Where Are They Now in History, I, I know that uh, today is the day that New Amsterdam was surrendered and became New York. Uh, now, this was an attack planned by the Duke of York. I thought we would uh, talk to the actual Duke of York from back at that time to try to find out uh, how inaccurate... The This Day in History segment was, but also to learn, I mean, actually learn about actual history. I mean, that's what I figured. So, uh, Mr. Duke, um, I, I don't know what to call Mr. York? Hey, what is what? Do I call, I, what should I call you? Should I call you uh, Mr. Mr. Duke, Mr. York? Well, my name is James Stewart, don't you know? Um, but you can actually call me 
Lord Stuart, or you can call me uh, Your Majesty, if you like, because eventually I'm going to become King James II of England, of course. There's always that. I'm sorry, did you say your name's Jimmy Stewart? Well, how dare you call me something so informal, sir. But yes, my name is Jimmy Stewart, of course. Well, I, I loved you in um, Hitchcock's Rope, so just wanted to say so. Oh, this is a jolly good movie to be in, I must say. Thank you very much. Anyway, what I wanted to talk to you about was, of course, the military campaign that brought you uh, New York. The, uh, the the colony of New Amsterdam became New York. Now, of course, that was planned by you, uh, the taking of it, so to speak. Uh, yes, absolutely. As I do recall that very well. It was a very intelligent thing I did, and I always wanted to have that. Yeah. Right, right. Well, so no, tell, no, tell us a little bit about that. Why did you want to take New Amsterdam? What was it about it uh, that appealed to you? Well, they had all sorts of prostitutes there, didn't they? I mean, prostitutes and, and hashish bars, things like that. That's what I'd heard. It was through a grapevine type of thing. And I said, well, I'd like to, I'd like to have some of that, if this is all possible. So I, I, I sent my, my troops there to bring me back as much hashish and prostitutes as they could find. Unfortunately, there was none. I didn't know what the problem was. But, but I did take it over, and that's always, that's always a positive thing, regardless. Because pretty much whether there's prostitutes or not, it's better to have things than to have other people have them. Certainly the way I, I feel about it. That's an understandable feeling. I mean, I, I guess I agree. I'd rather have this show than let somebody else have it. Absolutely, absolutely, Jeff. You know, it's exactly the type of thing that I would say. I would like to have your show, too. Well, no, but I mean... Uh, no. Moving on. In your battle, in the battle that you planned to take New Amsterdam, uh, I heard some rumors about it myself, and I don't believe they're correct, so I just wanted to confirm the facts with you. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. No problem in the slightest. What I heard was that you had taken, that your fleet, that, well, the fleet that was being commanded by uh, Captain Nichols, that you had it converted into uh, submarines by putting the ships in giant bubbles. Is that correct? Submarines? I was saying not. There's such a thing as submarines at the time. That's not going to be invented for many years. Not in the future, chap. There's no such thing as submarines at this point in history. I didn't want to put my ships underwater. That'd be silly. They flew them over the sky like any decent man would do. I'm sorry, what? I flew them there, of course. How else would you get them from England to New Amsterdam? It's the only way to do it is to fly them. I'm sorry, it's a little hard to understand you, I guess, because of your accent. Do you, I, I, you're saying you've sailed them there. Well, it's in a manner of speaking. There's a sail involved, of course, but, you know, wings and all that. Flying, flying. I'm sorry, flying in the sky? How did you... I, well, since when do ships fly? I mean, I, I'm, I might be a little confused, but I don't think that ships typically have wings. No, not typically. No, not typically. But you have to, you know, do the, the, the things that you do to make your military feats possible, don't you? I mean, basically, what we did was the only sensible thing we could do. We took the wings off of the giant pterodactyls all around England, and we slapped them on the ship. Said we'd bloody well fly over there and take everything over. It's the only way I could think to make sure that we had victory. So these are pterodactyl wings on a ship, flapping and flapping. You know, so basically you stick a giant stick to the room, you know, so that they're all still stiff and all that. And you have the the, the, the rosemen, the oarsmen, get inside, and instead of going front to back, they just have to go up and down, up and down, as fast as possible. And they do that, ship flies right over the ocean, it's very quick, very fast, and then, you know, victory's ours, and all that. That's, uh, I just, but I, that's not the way it says it on Wikipedia, so... Well, Wikipedia, everybody knows, even in the past, that Wikipedia's inaccurate, you know, somebody should give fix that, and put in the part about the, the, me and the pterodactyl wings thing, because it's true, and one thing is true, and another thing's not, and that's what Wikipedia's saying is not. Why, well, I, I, oh, I don't think, okay, well, I'm sorry. Uh, what are you doing? He's losing control of your interview. What are you, is this what I'm supposed to be here for? Is this you grumble, grumble? I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, New Amsterdam. So you, okay. So basically, what you're saying is the true version is that you heard there were prostitutes and drugs 
in New Amsterdam. You you killed a bunch of pterodactyls, used their wings to fly your ships across the Atlantic to there, and then they won it, and they called it New York. That's pretty much the long and short of it. Well, that's the general gist of it. Yeah, I mean, you left out the best part. So, yeah. I left out the best part. What best part is that? The way we won the battle, my old man. That was this interesting thing. The way we did it was on the ships, up in the sky with the pterodactyl wings, we had mutant fungus spores, little tiny ones, and little barrels that were hermetically sealed, and we just threw them off the edge. They exploded on the Dutch and ate them alive when it landed down there. Ate them absolutely alive. Just so dead. Afterwards, we wait. The, the, the spores have a very short life span, you know, like, I don't know, five minutes. So, after they'd eaten everybody, we went down there and we just took everything over. There were already skyscrapers there, so we just moved right in. It was not a problem in the Zelitis. Uh, I'm sorry, there was already skyscrapers there? Oh, yes, did you not know about that? Yes, that's why New York is famous. It's got skyscrapers and all that. Well, no, I mean, yeah, now, but at the time, it wasn't. Oh, what would we call the skyscrapers back then were only, only like 20 stories tall, so, of course, they don't seem like skyscrapers now, but um, they were skyscrapers, of course, as well. And, um, I lived at the very top of the toppest one. Wait, you lived at the... I thought you... But you were in England, you become King James the second. Well, is that too. I can have both. I had a summer home in New York. As it was named after me, you know. Well, it was named after the position, but, I mean, I guess because you, you... Well, you, basically. It was named after me. Everybody knows it was named after me. That's why it's York. I'm the Duke of York, and that's the New York. Come on. Right, all right. Well, okay, so... You flew in boats with pterodactyl wings, dropped the mutagenic spores, whatever that means. They ate everybody alive, then you moved into the skyscraper. Absolutely. And unfortunately, like I said, there were new prostitutes. So we had to bring our own, and we started a new prostitute society. Unfortunately, the prostitutes rebelled. Not during my reign, of course. It was not till later, you know, 17-something, I don't quite recall. All the prostitutes said they wanted to be free because we were taxing prostitution or something. I don't remember. Point is, they had their own little sex land after that, and we weren't able to go to them anymore, which was unfortunate, but I was long dead, so I didn't care. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Wait, what What do you mean you were long dead? What year is this? Who am I, what year am I talking to you? Yeah, are you talking to yourself, my good man? What year is it? Don't ask such personal questions. I don't, I don't feel like I need to answer that. That's not the type of thing I should be asked. Really, isn't it inappropriate? I don't see how it's inappropriate. What well, it is. So, come on. All right, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I got to say, well, first of all, let me just say thank you for, for calling me. It's kind of a mighty coincidence that you called uh, when I was thinking of who to interview. But it, it was a good coincidence because, like I said, I just did that show about New York and Amsterdam, New Amsterdam. This is my pleasure, good man. This is my pleasure entirely. I had no idea that it was the case, of course. But it was a very happy coincidence, and I don't know how I even got your number, but it is a pleasure to talk to you. Good, good. It was a pleasure to be talked to by you. Oh. Good, you're such a wonderful, loyal subject. It makes me happy. Here's what I think you should do. I think you should go home and have yourself a nice warm milk. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, that was, of course, uh, J- Jimmy Stewart, the actor. It's James, of course. Lord James. You should call me. It's in the public. Or you can call me Your Majesty. That was uh, Your Majesty. No, it was... I mean, I, what am I supposed to say? That was My Majesty? It was, no, it's My Majesty. Thank you very much. I'm the one who has Majesty. It was His Majesty. Yes, that's right. It was, it was His Majesty, uh, Jimmy Stewart, who was King James later. I think he played him in a... Was there a movie? No, I was King James in real life, you fool. Right. Right. King James in real life. Hopefully everybody enjoyed that interview. That was, of course, a Frank Allen interview starring me, Frank Allen. And uh, we'll have another one next week. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs>
That was pretty funny. What? The interview was good. It was funny. What do you mean it was funny? It was funny. Was it not? It was a, like a joke. It was like a joke interview. No, I don't do joke interviews. I do real interviews. You know, I'm a I'm a journalist now. Remember, I interview people. It's a serious interview. What do you mean? It was, how can that have the interview we just heard was a serious interview? Yeah. It was. That was not the Duke of York. That was clearly not the Duke of York. Well, what do you mean? Well, I mean, he said he was. He said he was uh, James Stewart. Well, yes, he did. Which, first of all, I want to point out that you were clearly getting confused between the James Stewart who was King of England and the Duke of York and the James Stewart who was an actor in Hollywood. They're not spelled the same, although it was all out loud, so it's hard to be able to tell. Well, what do you mean? You Like you mentioned the movie Rope, which is a really great movie, as you said, but it stars Jimmy Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, the actor. He was alive much later than than James Stewart, King James II. They're not connected. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if they're related. They might be, for all I know. Jimmy Stewart was heir to the throne in England, but they're not the same guy. I know that much. Oh, okay. So uh, maybe he was, I don't know, pulling my leg because I didn't make that connection. But I mean, that's fine. That doesn't mean he wasn't the uh, the, the King of England. Well, no, it, it it's pretty clear that he wasn't the King of England though, because he was like talking about the future and the past. He was like, oh, I'm going to be King of England. And then he's like, but then I die later. And then he was like, uh, there are going to be submarines, not to mention the whole thing about the flying ships. I mean, obviously that's not true. Well, what you're saying, I mean, why would you say it's not true? It sounded a little strange to me at first, but it was right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. It was the King of England. He was telling me he planned the, the attack. He did it. He executed it. Yeah, but there weren't any pterodactyls in England. Scape, is it, is it me or is Frank being an idiot today? Uh, I don't know. What's so, what's so dumb about it? Well, okay. Uh, pterodactyls in England? Uh, well, I saw this show the other day. It was called uh, Primeval and there was some dinosaurs in England. So That's not a documentary show. That's a sci-fi show. It's a fake show. It's a show th- and they're clearly computer generated dinosaurs. They're not real dinosaurs. What are you talking about? Dad, they were running around. How could they be there running on the picture of England if they weren't real. It's computer graphics. You, oh, okay, why would I go to escape for backup trying to prove something intelligent? Frank, the, no. The guy was not the king of England. He wasn't James. He, I don't, I mean, and he called you? What, I, what does that even mean? Well, he was asking about, uh, you know, my refrigerator, whether it was working and stuff. But then I asked who it was and he was like, well, who do you, you know, who do you want it to be? And I said, well, ideally it would be uh, the Duke of York. And he said it was, and I was like, wow, that's great. Let me set up my equipment. And he said, okay. And we waited. We did the interview. And that seems perfectly rational to you. That doesn't strike you as odd that the Duke of York, from the past, mind you, would call you up to ask about your refrigerator. You know, he, like I said, he just wanted to know if it was working. Did he say working or did he say running? Uh, I don't know. I think he said working. I mean, he might have said running. It doesn't make a difference. They're the same they're synonym. Well, one's a, all right. Let's. You're such an idiot. I thought you were the smart one. All right, what, I I am the smart one. Oh, uh, excuse me. I'm the smart one. Okay, guys. I think I'm the smart one. So uh, let's move on. We've got one show left. This is a show I like to call Guard Duty uh, because that's what it's called. This is the first episode of season three. If you remember at the end of season two, which was last episode, uh, we heard Ocean Man had fought the mollusk, had beaten his entire fleet of Atlantean troops, and uh, was missing and presumed dead. Well, guess what they just held? Ocean Man's funeral. Let's hear what they have to say about it. The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. (laughs) 
from the guard tower, their base of operations. They watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of guard duty. This week, Mr. Fahrenheit and Voodoo Lady in Morning People. Oh, hey, Voodoo Lady. Great, glad you're finally here. Grab a seat. I stopped off at home for a change of clothes. Not a problem. How was it? How? It, it was solemn. Um, the stallion gave a speech, then the president said a few words. Oh, that's good. At least you got somebody respectable in there. Play 500? Listen, everyone wanted me to thank you. <laughs> for what? You know, for taking a shift on your own up here while we all attended Ocean Man's funeral. Oh, that? Yeah, you're welcome. No big deal. If you want to take a minute to go down and pay your respects, I could... No, no, don't worry about it. It's no trouble, really. Seriously, never really liked the guy anyway. Forget it. So are we playing? What? I didn't care for him. I don't want to go to his funeral. It doesn't matter if you liked him or not. How about a little respect? The guy just saved the country, and by extension, you. Doesn't that deserve a little thanks? Yeah, sure. And I'll make sure to mention it to him next time I see him. Look, the guy lied to me. To the face for years. So I'm not his biggest fan, okay? I'm not going to pretend I loved him just because he did one good thing before he kicked it. It's called redemption, jackass. You might want to look it up. I'll let you know when I get that far into the dictionary. So far, I'm only up to hypocrite. Excuse me? What is that supposed to mean? You voted him off the team, too, remember? And if he had lived, I would have voted him back on again. Jesus wishy-washy! You stopped one little villain! Little? It was an army! I could have stopped them. Really? That would have been something. What with you being locked inside a cell, living out your worst fears? I meant if I was in his place. And I wouldn't have died doing it. How was that exactly? How would you have single-handedly stopped the invading Atlantean army and come out okay? I would have just heated up their... Their things, you know. I don't have to justify myself to you. Yeah, okay. Are you going to play cards or not? No, I'm not going to play your stupid cards. Solitaire it is. What is your obsession with playing games, anyway? In case you hadn't noticed, it's boring up here. Something has got to pass the time. And I doubt we're going to be getting any enthralling conversations anytime soon. You should be on duty with the Jackmore. <laughs> Crazy, not a chance. That kid's a freaking Scrabble genius. <laughs> what? You know he cheats, right? What? <laughs> He's got a little pouch of letters on that belt of his. He cheated? <laughs> hang on, hang on. That doesn't make any sense. How could he know which letters he was pulling out? I mean, he was just whipping those words out. Bam! You know. All I know is he's got a sack this big full of nothing but letters. That damn piece of crap. <laughs> oh, man, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Now you won't want to go to his funeral either. Oh, Jesus Christ, I never should have married you. What? Oh, that's right. You're not my wife. Why are you nagging me like her? Nice. I'm sure Ellen would love to hear that. <laughs> Whatever. I could tell your husband. What's his name? Sean. Way worse things about you. Like what? 
like about how you and I secretly meet in the horse once a week, peel off our costumes, and make the- Ah, gross! That would never, ever, ever, ever happen! Yeah, but you totally believe me. Plus, he's a big wuss. What's he gonna do? Slap me? And you don't think Ellen would divorce you if you admitted to an affair with me? Whatever. You're better looking than she is. But we're not having an affair. Well, we could. Yeah, shut up. Look, the man died. I mean, I didn't exactly love him either, but when a guy gives his life for the greater good, you overlook the fact that he had a twitchy little weasel voice. And how he used to just blab on and on about the stupidest things. Yeah, well, uh, General Mancase has begun a new initiative in his new military recruitment drive over three clamshells to the family of each boy who enlists. Uh, <laughs> We've been very busy with the, uh, the Dolphanian fighters, yes. And we're not really sure if there's enough kelp to feed both of us and them, so... Of course, the fact that it was all complete bull explains a lot. Speaking of complete bull, I always wondered why he wore a mask if he was from Atlantis. I mean, who's going to recognize him? Besides, he's the freaking king of Atlantis. Even if one of us surface worlders did somehow get to Atlantis, we'd have to worry about recognizing the bridge of his nose. We'd know him from the palace. Not to mention, why would an underwater guy from Atlantis wear a full-body, skin-tight outfit when he went in the water? Oh, did you ever notice his costume has fins on it? So? So? So he can turn into water! What are the fins for? He does not have to swim! <laughs> Man, that guy was so full of crap! You think it was even him in that bucket in the hospital that time? That time with Lady Luna? Who knows? It was Super Bowl weekend. Maybe he just wanted the time off to see the game. I slipped off once to see a Yanks game. Before or after you slipped off with your mermaids. <laughs> hey, shut up about that. They still could be real. Oh, and I'm sure the mollusk will be only too happy to give you their numbers. Uh, mermaids don't have phones, stupid. That's not the only thing they don't have. What are you talking about? Their bottom half is the fish half. So? So, fish lay eggs. They don't, you know. What? Hey, anybody up there? We're here, Jack. What's up? Disastrous is back here in SF. She's cracked the golden gate and the thing's full of cars. Jack, I need to ask you a very important question. Do you cheat at Scrabble? What? I said, do you cheat at Scrabble? What? No, I do. This isn't really the time. Look, did you cheat when you played with me? People are going to die here if we don't help them. We're on it. Attention, guard. Disastrous popped up in good old San Francisco. Let's report to the Golden Gate Bridge and stop the bitch. And, and save people. Voodoo lady out. What's the big idea, jackass? You said he cheated. Yeah, well, there's a time and a place for everything, dip. Shut up. Jordan D. White, with Michael D. Murkowski as the narrator, Elijah Weberhan as Mr. Fahrenheit, Devin White as Voodoo Lady, Jordan D. White as the Jack, with theme song by Michael D. Murkowski.
And that was another episode of Guard Duty. I love that Mr. Fahrenheit, man. He's so funny. Moving on. Uh, we only have one segment left of our show. It is called Listener Mail. Oh, good. I must have gotten some more fan mail today, right? <laughs> I don't think you actually did, but uh, that's fine. You know, everybody does love you, so don't worry about it. Oh, but I wanted to get letters to say how good I am. Well, maybe somebody will. Actually, I should mention, yeah, if anybody wants to write into us for whatever reason, either to say how good he is or just to tell us something else, uh, our email is castinwax at gmail.com. That's castinwax at gmail.com. This first one is for you, Frank. Actually, oh, okay. Well, let's hear it. Uh, here, here it is. It says, uh, "Well, it's, it's written in all capital letters, so I feel I should say it kind of uh, vigorously." Frank Allen, having listened to last week's podcast, I have learned that you believe yourself the ultimate arbiter of what is right and wrong based on the arguments presented in your debatatorium. False. I, arbitrus, master of the arbitratron at the apex of time, am the ultimate arbiter of what is right and wrong. Not you. Do not attempt to argue, for no syllogism shall sway me. I have spoken. Additionally, regarding. Last week's offering, I declare cats and dogs to be equally inferior and that unicorns are the superior animal. I have spoken. Finally, Jordan, please let Scapey sing another song as they are delightful. Declared so by me, Arbitress, master of the Arbiter Throne at the apex of time. Thank you. Signed, Arbitress, master of the Arbitress Throne at the apex of time. So, what do you think about that, uh, Frank? Uh, well, it's one of those conundrums, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, he's saying uh, that he declares that he's right about everything. But if I declare that I'm right about everything, and he declares that I'm not, uh, then maybe if I'm right, I'm right, and if he's right, he's right. So nobody can really tell. Well, it sounds like we'd need somebody to, to be an arbiter on that. Well, I would say me, and I would say that I was right. But but he would say he should be the arbiter, and that, that he would be right. That's a little confusing. Well, no, it's not really confusing. It's just pretty straightforward. It's a disagreement. But I'm the one who's right, and so don't worry about it. All right, if you're sure. Um, but he also does say, that, I mean, Scape, actually, I didn't even remember. He he actually says you should sing another song. So he he likes you. Oh, thanks. Can I sing a song then? <laughs> oh, uh, well, not right now. I mean... Oh, come on. All right. Uh, a really fast one. Like, super fast about uh, listener mail. Listener mail! Listener mail! Castingwacks at gmail.com Listener mail! Listener mail! Write us writers and they're from you! Well done, well done. Let's move on to the next layer. Frank, can you read this one? It's to all of us, but uh, I think it's mostly meant at me. Gentlemen, I don't appreciate having mail read on the air that was sent by someone impersonating me. But even worse is when you read it out loud in a ridiculous accent to mock me. I'm sure I don't have to tell intelligent folks such as you that even when people speak with accents, they don't write with them. As to your point, I don't understand how you can believe that tarot cards are not real. I can feel them in my hands and see them with my eyes. Maybe it is that you've never felt or seen them, much like your kitty and Mexico. If you want, I can send you a deck of cards so that you will see that they are real. Unfortunately, I cannot send Mexico to your cat. Finally, I want you to know that before he made his plea bargain, Mr. St. John came to me for a reading and he's going to be all right. His career and love life will probably not do so well, but he will make it out of jail in one piece. All the best to you, gentlemen. Miss Cleo. P.S. Of course I'm not God. I just play here on the radio sometimes. Um, okay, well, uh, clearly this was written by, uh, well, either by Miss Cleo or another Miss Cleo impersonator. Um, you know, that's a good point. We did get that email last time from Miss Cleo and we just kind of assumed it was from the real Miss Cleo, but I don't think we can actually assume that, and therefore, I cast doubt on this letter. I don't know that this is from Miss Cleo. How can I prove it? You know, how can I know for sure? So, for now, I shall respond as though this is Miss Cleo, but who knows, right? (laughs) I don't even know that Rory wrote that letter from Rory, right? So, anyway, uh, it's not that I don't believe in tarot cards. I do believe that the cards exist. I believe that you can't tell the future by them, and they don't have any insight into anyone's life. So, this part about uh, uh, Roy Sinjin and his da-da-da-da-da, that's bogus, because 
because, I mean, yes, his career and love life don't have that great of a shot now that he's been to jail and all. But um, I don't think the cards told you that. I think that you figured that out on your own. Gotcha. Let's move on to the next letter, shall we? We got one left. Foolish as he may be, I think you are underestimating Admiral Enclosed Space's diabolical ability. I can tell you from experience that putting people in boxes can be quite an effective method of detaining, suffocating, or getting information from someone. While his building houses to sell people scheme is obviously stupid, at least as a form of supervillainy, his threat of locking you in a coffin-shaped box should not be met with such nonchalance. At the very least, I suggest you keep some lockpicks on yourself. Hey, you never know. Some villains are stupid enough to put the lock inside the box. Shut up. Anyway, don't say I didn't warn you, Hope Darling. P.S. I've got some property in the hills I really, really, really don't want enclosed, and I'll be happy to discuss and negotiate the fee I would have to pay to destroy the horrible monstrosity you will build. Frank, so I guess that was, again, it was not directly addressed to you, but it was pretty much addressed to you. What do you think? Well, uh, yeah, con- uh, this is how you contact me. I'll get back to you, uh, Miss Darling, about uh, your land, uh, which I will menacingly enclose with the help of my compatriot, Admiral Enclosed Space. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can pay us. Like I said, you will work out a good deal. It's it's going to be relatively affordable. He gets uh he 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 knows a wholesaler, so he gets the materials really cheap. The point is, uh, it'll be a really nice fee. So we'll work this out. I'll get right back in touch with you. And in regards to his his plot, though, you yeah, know, I take it very seriously. I take it very seriously because um you know it's going to be uh, a lucrative thing to take seriously. No, but I think she's saying getting put inside of a small box is is not pleasant. Well, I wouldn't think it would be pleasant. Nobody thought it was pleasant. It's just not that not. Well, no, it's, in fact, it's it's menacing. It's terrible. What were you? No, well, you were going to say something else. What were you going to say? Oh, uh, nothing. Forget it. But it is menacing, and uh, we're going to menace you. I don't like getting put into a small box, really. So if it's an open box, I would like to get in and then be able to get back out, okay, <laughs> when I want. But when you guys put me in, like, a box, and then you close it, and then you, like, take me somewhere, <laughs> no, okay? No. No, I know you don't like that. You hate, you hate that, because it usually means... Well, it usually means we're taking you to the vet. Yeah, that's when the bar head smashing starts. Yes, but okay, no, not necessary, not necessary. No, it's not because I have Doctor Sass. No, that's not what I meant. Okay, we got to move on. Uh, that was a really great listener mail. Again, you can write to us at castandwax at gmail dot com, and that's about the end of our show. Um, next week, we will hopefully have all sorts of exciting things. Oh no, no Frank Allen interview next week. What? Why? No. What? Why? Because Frank, you know this. Next week, we have an extra special, all new special event pilot episode, and we'll see if it ever comes back, but we've got the pilot episode and it's extra length. Oh, yeah, right, right, it is. That's a new uh, debate show that Frank does. So hopefully everybody will dig that and be back next week and you will hear it. I'll be seeing you guys. Preserving you so long the world can see that you are such a vision. Who'd have thought that such a girl could ever act like such a bitch and in the next my revenge and got me to where I feel that I Next episode of Cast and Wax. Unlike Mother, Hope and Company continue to try to protect Jason Brandt. 
So guys, where are we going? I know a great little place downtown where we can grab a latte. Sorry, Mr. Brand, but we need to get you out of here before those... Er, aliens get you? Oh yeah, I almost forgot about them. Good thing you remembered, though. I could have been dead. Right. On an all-new show called Proselytism, Is It Real or Not? I investigate proselytism. I see that there are screaming cockroaches here. I'm assuming they're his. They must be his. Those, those they were Bible followers. Absolutely, officer. He, he tried to get us to smoke them. Oh, my God. Let's feed him some more. And on Epic Echoes, they're fish. They're fish! What? Give me one the election and Mars is mad and his fishy followers have been tried and today want to kill us! Elder God's fish people? Are they deep ones? He said the great one was coming and the stars were aligning! All this plus more Rory Singenless history coming September 15th to Waxwork.com.